Wait. Wait, where are you? Wait, this is... Wait, I need you. Wait, 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 wait. What, man? What do you want? Jeez. You don't understand how important this is. I figured it out. I figured out the mystery of the Bret Hart stolen head. Was there a mystery? Yes, remember they said John Pierre Lafitte stole a head and we couldn't find it? I did some digging on Peacock, and oh man, did I find some things, but uh-huh. I found it. Okay. I found the severed head. So it started, here's the story, you ready for story time? Are you busy? Am I, am I bothering you? Well, I'm camping with the wife, but whatever what do you got, dude. Listen, tell her to wait, this is important. So, J- July 21st on Raw, Bret Hart's wrestling Hakushi, right? Hakushi brings out this burlap sack. And before the match, he pulls out this burlap sack. And inside is the freaking Bret Hart head. So Hakushi brought the head first. Bret Hart beats him. And after he beats him, Jean-Pierre Lafitte comes out. And Jean-Pierre Lafitte steals the head. So Jean-Pierre Lafitte technically didn't steal it from Bret Hart. He stole it from Hakushi. So then, fast forward to WWF Superstars, right? So we're on Superstars. And it's it's uh, August the 5th, 1995. I dug really deep for this. Jean-Pierre Lafitte is wrestling a guy named David Haskins. And he comes out and they show a replay of him stealing the head. But then there's no freaking head. He has no freaking head. He beats John- David Haskins with like, like cannonball, ball. And then there's no mention of the head again. They just tease us for nothing. Uh-huh. But I figured it out. The head. I figured it out. Listen, man, you gotta get a life, bro. What do you mean? This is important. Listen, it's nighttime. I'm with the wife. I gotta go, man. Where are you going? Don't leave. Don't leave. I'm busy, friend. Get a life. Damn it. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Monday Night Warfare Podcast. I'm J.R. Judy, joined by Wade Skaggs. And, Wade, I hope you parked the monster truck outside because we're going right back to war. Well, I tried to put it in my garage, but it wouldn't fit. How big of a garage uh, do you have? I said it wouldn't fit. Oh, I think you said it fit. I was like, man, how rich are you? No, no. Open up your ear holes, friend. You can't put a monster truck in a normal suburban garage. Well, you could. You just wouldn't have a garage anymore. True. It would tear down the house just like this week of action. Tore down the house. Terrible segues. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> We're glad you're with us, whether you're on Apple, Spotify, or Anchor in audio form, or on YouTube in video form. If YouTube hasn't taken down the video yet, please don't take down these videos, YouTube. Uh, anyway, we're glad you're with us another week of the Monday Night Warfare podcast. If you're new to the podcast, this is the podcast where Wade and I look back week by week at the Monday Night War between WWF and WCW and a little bit of ECW. We are on October the 2nd, 1995, and uh, wait, let's take a look back at history in October of 1995. Do you know what the number one song was on the Billboard Top 100? Ice Ice Baby? No, it was Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Oh, isn't that, isn't that okay. your ringtone? Isn't that your ringtone? Uh, it was, but I changed it. Ah, do you know the number one movie was? Uh, Billy Madison. Seven. Ooh, nice. Not the That's... not not the not the terrible Dustin Rhodes gimmick, but like the actual. Oh movie. God, don't remind me. Uh, and great movie though. We should do I... a movie podcast. <laughs> Listen, I, that's that's too much podcast. I think. <laughs> Talk about getting your podcast taken down for copyright stuff. I'd be yeah. gone in a heartbeat. Uh, anyway, I feel like there was something else happening in October of 95. Hmm. I can't put my finger on it. I don't or know. Glove, or my glove on it, if, if you will. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, in case you have not caught on yet, that was the, good. O- the OJ Simpson murder, murder trial is happening. Uh, the deliberation is happening October the 2nd. Why are we bringing this up? Because every freaking wrestling show brings up the O.J. Simpson murder trial in one way or another on Monday night. Uh, if you have not, spoiler alert, if you have not heard the result of the O.J. case, October the 3rd, he does not, he gets acquitted of the charges. In case anyone cared. Uh, but it was a big deal in 1995, so oh, big yeah. that both commentary teams are making references to it. Uh, and one of the shows was taped. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Wade, which O.J. Simpson murder show would you like to start with, Nitro or Raw this week? 
Uh, huh. I'm thinking the WCW, dude. Alright, so we're going to start with the WCW Monday Nitro Show live at the Denver Coliseum, Denver, Colorado. Eric Bischoff, Steve Mongo, and Michael and Bobby the Brain Heated on commentary. And Last Pepe. And Pepe. I was getting there. Man, well, since we already brought him up, what the heck was Pepe wearing? I don't know, but his eyes were bulging out. His eyes were popping out of his head. The action was so hot on Nitro. Uh, last week, Nitro did a 2.7 rating. This week, they're down to a 2.5 rating. Uh, we'll get to the Raw rating in a little bit, but not a, not a big drop for Nitro with Raw nope. back on uh, the same, or going head-to-head. Nope. And it gets a tape Raw, so not a bad week. Uh, we get a cool shot of the Denver Skyline opening fireworks, and then we go to the commentary desk. Eric Bischoff talks about you never know what's going to happen live on Nitro, and just as he says that, a wild Ric Flair appears. Nice. Rick Rick Flair steals the headset from Eric Bischoff and calls out Arn Anderson. That's our main event on Nitro tonight. It was set up on Saturday night. And then we get a very long recap of mm-hmm. the Macho Man Randy Savage and Lex Luger's interaction. That's our opening contest here on Nitro. I feel like we took a little bit to get there. Um, and speaking of taking a little bit, Lex Luger and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Very highly competitive, highly intense build-up to this matchup. If Luger loses, he's going to leave WCW. The match starts, and they are in the world's longest lockup. These two athletes have locked up. The match is on. The Macho Man Randy Savage, Lex Luger. Luger's career at stake. They lock up in the ring. They lock up to the floor. And they are tying up like two pit bulls, Bobby. Two hours later. They go to a freaking commercial break. Still in the lockup. They haven't untied. They've still been tied up since this man started. It's like they got locked jar here. We gotta go to break. We'll be right back. If we come back from a commercial, I was hoping they were gonna be in the lockup. They were not. Yeah. That has to be a world record for long. I was was just thinking that. Put him in Guinness, man. (laughs) Um... The match takes a while to get going, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, the match starts to build up. Savage goes to Irish of Luger to the corner. Down goes the referee. Macho Man hits the big flying elbow. No referee. But here comes the Giant. Giant chokeslams Macho Man Randy Savage. Giant runs away. Luger picks up Savage. Has no idea the Giant was there. Puts him in the torture rack. Gets the submission win in eight minutes even. Uh, thoughts on the match? I don't really have a whole lot of thoughts on the match, to be honest with you. You know, uh, the match was not, I don't know, man. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. Uh, Something that's kind of surprised, well, maybe, I I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but after the Giant came out and left and Lex won the match, the fans were booing very hard. And I don't know if they were booing the Giant or Uh Lex Luger. Right. Or just just the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, or just the whole thing, because it was a very clunky... Yeah. For for a match that was built up so much on TV and hyped mm-hmm. up so much, yeah, I, I so much so that they called it they they took a page out of uh, modern day Vince's playbook and they called it a double main event. Right, they had the main event at the beginning, a main event at the end. So yeah, it was supposed to be a big deal. Uh, it really seemed to me like the fans were booing Lex. You know what I mean? Going back to last week after the giant choke slammed Lex, you know Kevin Sullivan was mad at him for choke slamming him, right? So the fans and Bobby the Brain Heenan, you know, he's building up this whole thing. So the fans, maybe they're thinking that he does have some kind of partnership with the Dungeon of Doom. I don't know. You know, looking back on it now, it doesn't seem to us like he would. But do the fans back then think so? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, they're definitely blurring the lines, kind of making you question Lex Luger's allegiance. It's really been his whole yeah. character since he's come back to WCW is can yeah. you trust Lex Luger? I want to know where Lex Luger's coming from, brother. Where are you coming from, brother? Bro, uh, the, brother. Other, the other thing to know about brother. Lex Luger, during his entrance, I don't know if you caught this or not, Eric Bischoff, right at the start of the show, hyped up the WCW hotline, and you could call in, and Mike today would just give you the results to Raw. Um, I feel like, and, I, and, th- and this may be way too early in the game, but I feel like this might have been their first like preventative move where Vince can't get mad at them and have legal ramifications of like mm. spoiling the show r- outright on the air. Mm-hmm. Plus... If you call the WCW hotline at 1-900-909-9900, 99 cents a minute, you get to, you're making money while you're also spoiling Raw. Yep. Chuck, I knew the hotline number. What a move. I've huh? never called, I never called it in my life. But well, I knew either. the number by heart because of me and Gene. My uh-huh. parents, I, I never had parents permission. 
Oh, of course. Me, 99 cents me. a minute. Are you kidding me? There's no way we get permission for something like that. Well, and like like later in the night. I wouldn't the do war, it now. Well, later in the war, it was like $1.49 a minute. So like they jacked the price up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. My parents would never let me call the No home. way. <laughs> we go to commercial break. We come back. Get a preview for Saturday night. Not, not a lot of action on Saturday night this week. Uh, Although, let me, I will say one thing. I realized that Hacksaw Jim Duggan was with WCW at that point. I had no idea. Yeah, I guess I guess because we didn't watch Bash at the Beach, and he was at Bash at the Beach. Oh, okay. And he wrestled Kamala in like one of the worst matches I ever remember seeing. Um, and then yeah, he hasn't really been on TV since. So, and there's a lot of guys who WCW has that we just haven't seen on TV because Nitro's only an hour, and they are yeah. really heavy loading Nitro. Yeah. Uh, we get back to the commentary desk. Pepe's gone. Like I have no idea where Pepe's at. I was worried about you when we were watching. Like, Wade's going to be really concerned about Pepe. I am concerned about Pepe. Always. But what is, but what is not concerning is we got to see the Disco Inferno come out and do some dancing. Much to the chagrin of Eddie Guerrero. But much of the grin of me. Uh, but here's the thing. Eddie Guerrero comes out and cuts him off. Nice. That's not that's not Eddie Guerrero's music. That's like that's Hooventude Carrera's eventual music. And I was like, wow. Hooventude's not on the roster yet. Like, why is he coming out? Uh but yeah, basically Disco Inferno's dancing. I thought it was a good way to get the character back on TV, kind of get some more exposure for yeah. Disco Inferno. Even though it didn't uh, make any sense. It didn't make any sense. But you know what? He got some TV time and then True. We get the matchup, which I had completely had no idea how it got set up. You understood how it got set up. They should, luckily show a recap. Eddie Guerrero beats Jushin Thunder Liger on main event yep. to earn this matchup with Dean Malenko. Two questions. Um, one, why is there a buildup to earn a match against Dean Malenko? No disrespect to Dean Bro, Malenko, but like he's a debuting character, which is weird. I thought the exact same thing, man. Also, like... Eddie Guerrero has not been on Nitro either, so he's also an unknown, yeah. which was a very weird, I, I, I don't know, I, I, it was yeah. unnecessary. The question is how many people are going to know that a couple weeks beforehand they wrestled at ECW? You know, not very many people, I gotta imagine. Yeah, I had no idea as a kid, like, this, these guys are new, they're cool. Oh yeah, yeah, so I was thinking that, like, so they're fighting to get a chance to be on Nitro, I guess that makes sense, like if you're just wrestling on main event. Sure, you'd want to be on Nitro, sure. But, like, Dean Malenko is, like, this prize that you fight against. I don't know. Obviously, Dean Malenko's incredible. And they really build him up, the man with a thousand holds and all that. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to let you run down this match. It was a really, really good match. But mm -hmm. I want to bring up two things first. Uh, number one, you brought up the main of a thousand holds. Uh, Bobby Heenan really hyped up the main of a thousand holds. To which Steve Mongo McMichael responds, Now, let me understand this. A thousand holds... Now, there's a book out, 101 Sex Positions. Where does he come up with a 1,000 holes? Yep. Which Eric Bischoff has to quickly come in and be like, Don't touch it, Bobby. I will pull your mic. I know you were chopping <laughs> at the bit. Not me. Like, talk about a softball. Like, what know. the heck is Mongo talking about? Uh, the other thing, during this match, which is a very, very good technical match. Of what we, we saw, but sure. That, that's, that's what I was getting to. The match cuts away to a split screen for Hulk Hogan's limousine coming out. Jimmy Hart is telling Hogan to stay in the limo. The Giants on a rampage. And then we go full screen to Hogan cutting a promo during this match. This whole... Oh, my God. See, this is the problem. I don't know if this is a booking babyfaces problem or a Hulk Hogan problem. But Hulk Hogan, you're being dumb, man. This dude, he comes out... Like, first of all... I resent the whole thing that you would cut out of this match. At first they had it split screen. I'm like, okay, that can happen sometimes. And then they took a full screen. Full screen. You couldn't, like, this is not a long segment. You could have done it right after the match. You know what you could have done? You know what you could have done, JR? Don't Eric you Bischoff? say it. Don't you say it. I'm sorry. I got to say it. You could have taken off Disco Inferno and put it Podcast right Podcast is over. Podcast is over. <laughs> I'm sorry it had to be said. So I'm sitting here thinking, bro, 
Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, I guarantee you these guys are like the best wrestlers, pure wrestlers you got to have on the roster. Uh, obviously, WCW didn't really care much, you know, about that, but we'll get to that later. So, anyway, he comes up here. My problems with the whole segment itself. Otherwise, Hulk Hogan comes out here, he's got a freaking neck brace on still. So he comes out here, he said, I want the Giant. He comes out here, the Giant just a week beforehand broke his neck. And he's got a, like all the little kids in the front row are crying because he got his neck broken. He's coming out here and he's saying, I want to fight the Giant. You still got a neck brace on, bro. What are you thinking? He's like, I want to, you know, I want to give him a title match. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're going to lose. You got a broken freaking neck, okay? You're not Kurt Angle. You ain't winning a gold medal. Like, how, why, how dumb do you have to be to, to, to come in here and say, yeah, I got a neck brace on. I got a broken freaking neck. But I'm going to challenge the, the giant, the one who broke my freaking neck, to a match for my title. It's stupid. Yeah, not the greatest uh, strategy for Hulk Hogan. Nope. Uh, I will. I will say this: the parts of the match that we saw were really good. Yep, absolutely, um, they were. Eddie and Dean got to show off their athleticism. Yep. There's a shot in this match where Eddie dives from the corner to the entranceway, which is one of the most iconic dives. Like you, they would replay this dive forever. It's just oh, yeah. a cool camera shot, and it's such a far leap. The crowd, and this goes back to not knowing these guys, was kind of quiet for this match, mm-hmm. and it was it was it was odd. Like Eddie hits the brain buster, crowd doesn't make a lot of noise, goes for the frog splash, Dean yeah. blocks it, and, and as he and again as they're going through this match, Eric Bischoff's on commentary going, "There's chaos in the locker room." And I'm like, "There's a match in the ring." Uh. At the end, Dean Malenko tries a pinfall attempt. Eddie Guerrero counters the roll-up, gets the pin. I did like after the match, they both popped up, and Dean says, look, man, I respect you, but I want a rematch. Yep, he said, you got lucky, and I want a rematch. And Eddie said, all right, you got it. And they they did a lot with their time. They went 529, but man, imagine if the Hogan promo wasn't in the way. I know. Uh, and and there's more Hulk Hogan to come because we go oh, to commercial God, break. Wow, we wow, go wow. to com- we go to commercial break and we come back. Mean Gene Okerlund introduces Hulk Hogan. Uh, he's got the neck brace on. He can't even carry the world heavyweight title because his neck is so beat up. Uh, Hulk said he was doing a little soul searching. He was he- you know hanging out with some sick kids. Hey, and let, then- let me let me say this: the part about the sick kid. Okay, he says, and I quote. He was hanging out with a little teeny Hulkamaniac getting ready for a double lung transplant. His name is Jason Pittman. Okay? So he's a li- this is a little kid. I mean, you know, of course I feel for the kid and everything. But Hulk Hogan says, uh, he says, I talked to this kid, Jason Pittman, and Jason said to me, and I quote, I wrote this down, and I quote, Hulk Hogan, belly up to the bar, look the giant in the eye, take him on, and put him down, brother. Apparently, this little child said those words to Hulk Hogan. Now, if he would have said, Hulk, beat the giant for me, okay, sure. But to say those lines exactly, I was I was flabbergasted, bro. I was gobsmacked. So, and I, and I don't want to speak ill of a sick child. Of is course. Jason, is no, it's Jason, not about him. It's about what Hulk said. Does anybody believe no, the kid no, said that? No, but listen, is Jason the reason that Hogan and the giant have a monster truck match? Oh, God. Uh, anyway, Hogan rips off the shirt and he says, I'm going to go rip the giant apart. He like rips 30... it off in the most nonchalant way ever. He's just talking to Mean Gene and he's just like, okay, and he's just still talking. I'm like, bro, come on. It's like a 30-second promo. Hogan, is he leaves the ring. He's high-fiving fans. Mm-hmm. And then he gets powder thrown in the eyes by a woman. Certainly very popular. Oh, what is this? There's a woman. And then this woman hops over the guardrail and starts beating Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan with her cane. And then it's finally revealed. She's a stunt granny. That's not a woman. It's Kevin Sullivan. Mm -hmm. And even master's a lady. I know. And even before that, she's, she's out there getting the cane and beating Hulk with it. And nobody knows it's coming Sullivan. Nobody stops this. Where are the security guards? If we're keeping kayfabe alive here, 
what what's going on here? Nobody stops it. And Mongo, being the idiot that he is, he said, Oh, well, that's what makes Monday Nitro so exciting, baby. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, I'm sorry, what? You're basically <laughs> giving license to the fans to jump over the, the barricade and beat somebody with a cane. What are you talking about? I've been on shows where the fans have punched wrestlers and managers oh, and performers. We throw them out of the building. We don't let them into the They're ring. Tackled. Remember that yeah. one? Remember that one security guard at the WrestleMania with uh, uh, Gronk? Uh huh. When she went over the Gronk. barricade, you, where's the security at? If that's the situation, keep it alive, man. Come on. A paying fan cannot just walk in the ring. I don't care if it is Gronkowski. Well, the security really was gonna out gonna be outnumbered because the giant and the Zodiac come out. The yep. giant rips off the neck brace, unscrews Hulk Hogan again, and gives him a second broken neck. Yep. Like. What? And Bobby so the Brain Heenan is laughing all the whole time once again. So then, here's my, here's what I uh, what I called the most heinous crime ever committed, but it's also the most dangerous thing you see on this entire show. Mm-hmm. Kevin Sullivan pulls out clippers and he starts to shave Hulk Hogan's iconic mustache. You no good piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. The American males, the World Tag Team Champions, come out. Trying to save Hulk Hogan. For giant reason. starts giant starts choke slamming them, but he's choke slamming them with the razor right on Kevin's like a Hogan's face. So like they're trying not to stab Hulk Hogan. Yep. <laughs> and then the nasty boys come out, and that wouldn't make sense because they're friends with Hogan, uh-huh. like in real life. Yeah. And they get choke slammed. So then they, like the Here comes whole my tag, favorite part. The whole tag team title match is gone. Go, go ahead, tell me your favorite part. Guess who gets the Clippers to start cutting Hulk Hogan's hair? The Zodiac Man, formerly known as Brutus the Barber Beefcake. He gets the Clippers out to cut Hulk Hogan's hair. It doesn't happen he, because it gets run out of the ring, but still. Yeah, he he was definitely resorting back to 1987. Yeah. And so and so right after, they're, they're talking about the Halloween Havoc, his uh, Hulk's match with the Giant. And I'm like, he's just got his neck broken for the second time. Is he going to be ready for a match in a few weeks? Why are you, like, you could say, oh, I don't know if Hulk Hogan's going to be ready for Halloween Havoc in three weeks or four weeks, whatever. I'm thinking, bro, he's going to die if he gets in that ring. Well, he also, you, you're forgetting, has to survive a monster truck match I first. I know. Wow, wow, so. wow. <laughs> oh, man, the Dungeon of Doom. I told you, this Dungeon of Doom stuff only gets better. Oh, it's wild, man. It's a scene, <laughs> we- man. We go to commercial break with the World Tag Team title match essentially canceled because everybody's dead. Yep. Uh, we go right to our main event. It's the Enforcer Arn Anderson, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. It's the Fall Brawl rematch. They go 8-17. It's a much faster paced, more aggressive matchup yep. uh, than the Fall Brawl match. I preferred the Fall Brawl match. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff in this match was kind of the same spots. There was a couple of modifications and callbacks to the match that I like. Like, they did the same thing where Arn goes for the DDT, Flair holds the ropes, Arn went up the middle rope, got hit out of the air again. They went for the figure four again. But this time, when Flair puts the figure four on, here comes Flying Brian, and he splashes Ric Flair. Technically, it is ruled a disqualification. Is it? But... If you look it up, it's it's ruled a DQ. Really? If you if you look it up, it's a DQ. But on commentary, they say Arn submitted. Yeah, but and he did. He does, but it's the most clustered finish. I don't know if like yeah, Pillman was late or the bell rang early. But I, I, yeah, actually, that's a good question. I don't know because he told the referee he's like, yeah, he didn't tap, which would yeah. have been better. But he said the referee, yeah, I, I give up, and so the referee said, yep, ring the bell, and then immediately. Uh, there comes a splash from Brian. So, yeah, that's a confusing thing. I thought for sure it was a uh, uh, submission win for Rick. E- either way, Rick Flair gets the win over Arn Anderson. Um, the big, the bigger story is after the match because the horsemen are mugging Rick Flair and nobody is coming to save Rick Flair. Nope. I was yeah, even he- thinking, I'm like, is somebody going to come out? Like, I know Lex doesn't come out because he's dead. So I'm thinking, like... Is maybe Sting will come out because they had that segment, remember, on Saturday night that we covered last week. I'm thinking maybe will Sting change his mind and come out with somebody? I don't even know who at this point, but nope. Yeah, Rick Rick Flair's 
history and his past are finally catching up to him and yep. he is a man on his own mm-hmm. uh, we go to the commercial break we come back and we're going to run down the next edition of nitro we're going to be live in chicago next week big bubba rogers goes one-on-one with chicago's own road warrior hawk wcw united states heavyweight title sting against shark sabu returns to action against mr jl do you know who's under that mask no what does JL stand for? John Layfield? Jerry Lynn. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's technically Sabu and Jerry Lynn. And then the main event, the Nature Boy Ric Flair, Arn Anderson 3, this time in a steel cage. That's right. And what really surprised me is that Eric Bischoff said it's never happened before. Now, uh, does that mean Nitro. they never fought in a, st- in a steel cage or that a cage match has never occurred? I took it as it's the first cage match on Nitro. So they've had cage matches before in WCW. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Hogan and Hogan and Vader was a cage at Bash at the Beach. Oh yeah, a couple months okay. ago. So, yeah, they. But first time ever on Nitro. Nitro's only been around for four weeks. Come on. I mean, you could also word it as like first time ever that Arn and Flair faced off in a cage, That's, but they yeah, don't. I was but they don't. They don't. They only faced off like for the first time at Fall Brawl. Yeah. So. Anyway, it was a very up and down episode of Monday Nitro. Any final thoughts no. before we kind of switch over to Raw? No, it was just I, chaotic. That that Hulk Hogan segment, they just absolutely blew my mind, bro. Not necessarily in a good way, but my mind is blown. I did like the fact that this this week on Nitro, we didn't get the, there's chaos in the back. They're still yeah, going oh at it God. right at the end. So I kind of liked that they... Didn't yeah. overuse it because they were overusing that really quick. Yeah. All right, so let's flip over to the USA Network, October the 2nd, 1995. We are still in the Civic Auditorium in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler are still on commentary. I, they weren't they were in front of a green screen. They like actually shot these shots in front of the crowd ahead of yeah. time. So my one giant pet peeve is gone. Uh, last week on Raw, they did a 1.9 rating. This week on Raw, 2.5 rating. We have a tie Ooh. in the ratings. Okay, so the ra- okay. so raw raw leads the ratings two one one, so nice. Uh, we we start off the show with a recap of last week's world tag team title match. The soapy wet cowboys are the world tag team champions. Oh yeah, brother. Uh, we cut to Razor Ramon making his entrance to the ring for our main event. We get a clip from last weekend's. WrestleMania, the special, and a wild Steve Mongo and Michael appears on Raw. Holy crap, he's on both shows. Don't underestimate Mongo, Mr. Heenan. Wow. <laughs> what? He's like right in the background of like one little clip. Huh. But, yeah, it, it's very hard to see. He was a lumberjack at WrestleMania 11, so. Oh, oh because on, LT uh, was there. Yeah, he was more like the NFL guys. So. Gotcha. I had no idea. Yeah. Huh. Uh, we kick it to our first match. It is, again, same as Nitro, a double main event. Razor Ramon and the 1-2-3 Kid, the big rematch. Uh, going into this matchup, the Kid is 2-0 against Razor Ramon. But he still wants to earn Razor's respect. And Razor starts this match by showing him the most disrespect I've ever seen and just chucking him out of the ring. Yep. Uh, they talk about how Jerry Lawler is saying the Kid was talking to Ted DiBiase during... Somewhere during the week, they're kind of teasing it. You know, uh-huh. what's his motives? Dean yep. Douglas is at ringside. Kill me now. Yep, he's taking notes on his notepad. Yep. He has nothing to do with these guys anymore. He's the number nope. one contender for the Intercontinental title. Leave me alone. But Razor hits a giant lariat yeah. and just pins the kid. Yep. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Oh, yeah. So after the match, the kid slaps Razor in the face. Mm-hmm. And they just restart the match. Oh, yeah. Why not? Sure. What, what is happening? Like I have no clue, bro. Who does the one, two, three kid think he is? Nick Patrick? <laughs> he can't just make up rules on the fly. We go to commercial break. During the commercial break, Razor catches the one, two, three kid off the top with a power bomb yep. and pins him again. Mm-hmm. And then they go another rematch. What is happening? I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. Razor continues to beat down the kid. He signals for the Razor's Edge. He can't pull the trigger. He shows yep. compassion inside Cradle, and he pins the kid again. So yeah, he's that was... pinned the one. He's pinned him three times. Yep, so he's he's got the all-time series now, three to two. 
What an idiot. Can you imagine like the NBA playoffs are going on? You go up 2 nothing in the series. Let's just do three in a row. Let's just drop yeah. three in a row right now. What in the heck is I going don't know, on? man. So, you know, I thought that was a good story, though, how he was kind of getting ready for the razor's edge. And the crowd wanted it, you know, because these crowds yeah. are violent. You know that. And <laughs> terrible uh, people. One more time. You know, they, you know, you know how it is. So, and then he said no. And then he gets him in a small package for the win. I think that was a really nice touch. Um, they, they, so then, uh, the, another match starts. Kind of. Kind like of. The, and then, like, the match, there's no match. All yeah, of a the sudden, kid, they're like, standing in the ring. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was the kid, like, shakes Razor's hand and then just tries to catch up with a surprise roll up. Yeah. Which Razor kicks out of. And then the kid, like, ducks his head like, man, I tried. And then just yep. turns his back and like, here, just hit me with the razor's edge. Mm-hmm. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, man. And then, you know, razor's like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. They shake hands and stuff. And apparently, like, when he went for the quick roll up, the ref counted it. <laughs> he did. So then I all was... of a sudden, razor and kid are like, ah, oh, you know what? We don't need to fight again. So this match, uh, this, this is not a fourth match. But why did the ref count it then? Like that was that referee has no idea what's going on. Of course. We cut from that to a preview of In Your House Great White North. Uh the big news out of this, we kinda know that the matches are already announced. We know it's Diesel and Bulldog for the world title. It's Sean and Dean Douglas for the Intercontinental title. Uh King Mabel and the Undertaker one on one. We finally find out who Gold Dust is gonna face. Uh-huh. Uh it's gonna be Gold Dust against Marty Janetti, who just returned to the World Wrestling Federation. So that'll be a fun matchup uh, at In Your House Great White North. Yeah. We're getting ready for our next matchup. Barry Horowitz is in the ring, and we cut to the back. Here we go. <laughs> and Vince McMahon's talking about, Can Horowitz defeat Hunter Hearst Helmsley? Fat chance. And we just cut to commercial. I'm like, okay. Okay. Thanks. Uh, Was that necessary? So after we come back from the commercial, tell them what we see, JR. <laughs> I was going to let you take a hold of this one. All right, I'll grab it by the horns and I'll take a hold of it. All right, let me tell you something, brother. Take about the Bronco? This, oh. <laughs> You're really getting me today. That was a good one. I like that. All right, so what pops up on the screen now is one of the most absurd things that I've ever seen in the history of a pro wrestling program. Okay? Now, what pops up is a picture of O.J. Simpson. That's right. In the middle of Monday Night Raw. O.J. Simpson, I don't know what the O.J. stands for, actually. Do you know? I was about to say his full name, but I realized I didn't know what it stood for. I don't know, actually. Orange juice? Orange juice. The juice. I'm well, going to call him the juice. Yeah, I'm going to do the Google while you do this. Dude, okay. So the juice, the juice pops up on the screen, and they say, is O.J. guilty? And they have a call line where the fans of WWE can call in and vote if they think OJ's guilty or not. What? What is going on here, JR? Like, I understand it's a big deal. It's a, it's big in the news. Even when we were four or five years old, I remember it being big news. I mean, it was a huge deal. But, like, good God, like, and <laughs> the funniest thing about this whole thing is, it's so absurd, but Vincent Kennedy McMahon says, OJ Simpson, guilty or not? Tonight, the whole world gets to know what WWF fans feel. I'm like, bro, the whole world doesn't give a crap what the WWF fans feel about the OJ verdict. What are you talking about, bro? Well, no and it's, only, it's only the fans uh, on the East Coast and in the Central time zones because of when right. Raw aired. I, was it Mountain 2? I, I know they said it excluded the, the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, he said they were too close to the case. <laughs> Uh, Orenthal James is his name, by the way. My thing is, like, WCW was, like, making OJ references on commentary because the verdict was coming out the day after. They didn't go as far as a fan vote. And the other thing, this show was taped September the 25th or 26th, depending on when they taped this show. They were in Grand Rapids. The case was not anywhere done. I bet you there is a different version of this graphic where... Guilty wins. Mm-hmm. 100% they have a different version of it. Just because... It, and and the thing is, this isn't the only time they reference OJ in the WWF. Nope. Like, we are five, six months away from freaking OJ footage on a WWF show. Mm-hmm. 
Like, and, 1995 uh, was weird. Oh, it was a wild scene, man. Let me tell you that. So, during, you know, the so anyway, they're still talking about the case while the match is going on, Triple H and Barry Horowitz. And then <laughs> they King is talking, and he mixes up Clarence Mason and Johnny Cochran. Did you catch that? Yeah. So we were talking last week, and I said maybe they were trying to parody Johnny Cochran. So apparently now we know that they were. And the, and they make a lot of Johnny Cochran references during this match. And the match itself isn't bad. It's Barry Horowitz and Triple H. They're doing yeah. the whole Triple H undefeated. Can Barry Horowitz pull off an upset? He's trying roll-up after roll-up. Mm-hmm. And again, the commentary couldn't care less yeah. because they're talking about O.J. Simpson. Yeah. It was surprisingly uh, tri- competitive for Barry, but yeah, you're right. Triple H hits the pedigree for the win, and Barry Horowitz goes down, and I think we are going to start seeing the decline of Barry Horowitz again on Raw. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Also during the match, they apparently mentioned that Barry Horowitz and Hakushi are a tag team now. Well, yeah, they're they're best friends. They're like I I I liken this to like the first incarnation of the Job Squad. Oh God, <laughs> you love yeah. the Job Squad. You stop that. Well, I had yeah, I had no idea that they were teaming. So this came up out of nowhere. I mean, have you seen the tag teams in the WWF outside of the Soapy Wet Cowboys? Yoko and Owen. That's not a real team. That's two guys put together. Well, they were the champions though. Well, yeah, because they had no other tag teams. Uh, speaking of tag teams, we go to our next matchup. It is a tag team matchup. PG-13, J.C. Ice, and Wolfie D. For those who don't know who that is, those are the rappers from the Nation of Domination in a couple of years. Uh, they are currently the USWA World Tag Team Champions. Uh, they are taking on Al Brown and Sonny Rogers. I'm glad uh, you said that because I didn't know their names at all. So, I, I couldn't catch it during the match. I didn't write it down. I So I had no idea who these guys were. So, uh, during the match, PG-13 cuts a promo, and they are saying they want the world tag team titles from the Soapy Wet Cowboys. You leave the Cowboys alone! Yeah. Freaking jerks. Um, Sonny Rogers gets abused for most of this matchup by PG-13. Um, they're showing off their double team moves. Wolfie D's losing his pants. Eventually, Al Brown tags in, and the crowd, I don't know if they're like, hopeful that Al Brown and Sonny Rogers are going to win or if they're just bored with this match actually kind of come alive for Al Brown to come into the mm-hmm. ring. So good for him. Yeah. Uh, at the end, PG 13, like one of the members, I don't remember which one takes the guy up and he tries to head scissors, his own partner and slams him down on Al Brown for the win. The, the idea, like the, the, the tag team offense, the ideas were cool. Yeah, they just seemed really clunky. I yeah, some of them did. Yeah, I, I tell you what, I honestly, I really like these guys. I don't remember really seeing them uh, back in the nineties, but I, I'm watching these guys now, and I really like them. These guys, you can tell they're really good wrestlers. I really yes, like I, them. I don't remember seeing them wrestle. I remember them like when they come in the nation, they are like cannon fodder for Ahmed Johnson. Yeah, and I think they make a pit stop in ECW at some point, so we'll get to see more see that. PG thirteen. They're kind um, of like a public enemy a little bit. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if they actually get a match with the smoking guns. I don't remember. I would like that. The funny thing during this match is during the whole thing <laughs> between uh, uh what's his name Wolfie T Wolfie D Wolfie D Wolfie D and J C Ice J C Ice during the whole match Vince doesn't know their names. So that's one of the parts of the matches. Bro, Vince, you're the president, bro. You hired them. (laughs) Now, I know maybe some fans don't know that, but it's so funny to me. Like, dude, you're the one that hired him. And he's like, oh, this one did this. King said, oh, that's JT. And he said, oh, sorry, I don't know which one is which. I thought that was hilarious when we know, bro, you're the one that hired them. Yeah, you brought them in. Uh so, next week on Raw, it is tag team action again, except six-man tag team action this week. It'll be Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog, Camp Cornette, against the WWF champion, Diesel, the Intercontinental champion, Shawn Michaels, and the Undertaker. Yes, sir. Talk about a loaded six-man tag. That is a match, bro. Uh, we go to commercial, and we come back, and it is time for our main event. Is it, it's an oh, in-your-house. Not... Okay, maybe we should skip it. Oh, no. Are you talking about Doc Hendricks? We're getting there. 
Oh, we're oh, getting okay. there. Don't worry. Okay. I was just trying to. I was leading we, in. Maybe we shouldn't, but okay. I was leading into the In Your House 4 rematch, except this time you can get a limited edition Bret Hart signature t shirt with a classic videotape for $16. It Honestly, it looks like a cool shirt. Yeah. Just but the like, model was very, very young. <laughs> she was very young and she was very uncomfortable. Yes. Well,. I would be uncomfortable, too, if I'm like a 13-year-old girl and Michael Hayes has his arm around me. <laughs> I mean, he had his what? arm around her the whole time. I'm, I'm thinking, like, yeah, you're right. She did look uncomfortable. She was. Yeah. I was surprised, dude. She was very young. We've got attempted murder on Nitro and attempted other things on Raw. Yeah. No wonder we weren't allowed to watch TV. Uh, anyway, during Bret Hart's entrance... They show a replay of SummerSlam 92 where the Bulldog beat Brett. Why? I was thinking the same thing. Nothing to do with this match. Yeah. Uh, During the match, Jerry Lawler is stupid excited. Anytime Jean-Pierre Lafitte is in in control. Yep. A couple things to note. I thought this match, much like Rick and Arn, wasn't as good as the pay-per-view match. But at least this match did different stuff. Like, Brett is body-slamming Jean-Pierre on the steel stairs. Mm -hmm. Um, Jean-Pierre gets a lot of offense in during the middle of this match. Like, more than the in-your-house match and more aggressive. You know, he goes for a big leg drop. He's throwing Brett all around the ring. He throws him into the steel steps at one point, and Jerry mm-hmm. Lawler is, like, right up in his face, loving his life. Yep. That's the thing that happens throughout the entire match. Jerry is, like, he's so excited about this, as you said, and Vince keeps telling him to sit down. Oh, sit down, King, you know, throughout the whole match. That was, and man, the- they are selling this. End of the matchup, Jean-Pierre Lafitte goes for that cannonball, gets caught with a superplex. Brett puts him in the sharpshire and gets a win for a huge ovation. Yes, sir. But Wade, the action is not over. I'm going to let you take it over. Far from over, my friend. So, obviously, Jerry the King Lawler is very upset at what just occurred here. Brett, you know, after the match, Brett's out of the ring, and he goes over to King, and they kind of jaw a little bit. Uh, King, you know, so, so Brett is walking away. Jerry the King Lawler takes his jacket off. He's got nothing on underneath. I mean, I guess that's Naked what King! Is, but you, you usually don't see him rip it off. He gets on top of the commentary table or on top of his chair. He's, you know, saying, come back and fight me and so on and so forth. So Brett does come back and they start fighting. And then here he comes. <laughs> here he comes to wreck the day. Isaac Yankum, DDS, comes back and attacks Bret Hart. Gets him with a uh, a really rough DDT to the floor outside the ring. And then the announcement is made, JR, that Bret Hart will face Isaac Yankum in a cage match in a few weeks on Raw. I think it's interesting to note that we're going to have two cage matches on both shows very quickly. And I always yep. wonder, and I don't know, and there's no evidence to this. I don't know if the Rick and Arn cage match was thrown together. Because Raw Raw was taped, yeah, and Nitro was live, and Nitro was like when these matches are announced. Nitro's later in the show, but like uh-huh. a couple minutes. So like, but it's taped already. And Raw and Raw was taped. taped. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying it's like Raw has like five minutes left in the show when they announced the cage match. So there's mm-hmm. no there's no reason why Bischoff couldn't be like has in his ear. Hey, they just announced the cage match. Announce a cage match for next week. Like, just stick it great, to him. Man. Just wow. stick it. I don't know if they did it or not. The only person that would know is the only person that would know is Eric Bischoff. Yeah. If he wants to hop on the podcast, sure, whatever. He's probably an avid listener. I'm sure he is, dude. Oh yeah. Uh, we go to commercial break. We come back. Brett's being helped to the, to the back. You said the cage match gets announced, and then we get promos hyping up the six man tag team matchup. Uh, Camp Cornet and then the team Super Good Guys. Mm. Nobody really says anything. Like. Yeah. They just say, we're going to win. No, we're going to win. Yep. And then the OJ vote comes in. Here we Um, go. The WWF fans have spoken. 51% OJ Simpson not guilty. 49% OJ Simpson guilty. I guarantee there is a 51-49 guilty graphic. Bro, you know, that thought never crossed my mind. And so once you said it, because we were texting when this was happening. And, I, and you said that, and I'm like, bro, I bet you they did. Because when I saw the graphic that said 51% said OJ's not guilty, I was shocked. Because our entire lives, 
Now, as I said, we were four or five. I kind of remember it being a big deal, but I don't remember the particulars or whether people thought he was guilty or, or not guilty, whatever. But since we've grown up with this feeling that everybody thinks OJ's guilty. Everybody. He wrote a book saying I didn't do it, but here's how I, I do know, it. right? So that's why I was so shocked when it said 51% said not guilty. I was very surprised by that. And that is how we end Monday Night Raw. Yep, who the thunk it? We end it with O.J. Simpson not guilty. Yep. Um, luckily, Wade, luckily this is one of those weeks where we're, we're not just doing Raw and Nitro and we're doing ECW Hardcore TV. Yes, because sir. in my brain, I needed a palate cleanser after Raw, and this was not it. Nope. Oh, my goodness. It was a wild ECW- show, man. A wild show. It starts off. the There's no opening graphic. There's no intro video. It's Beulah McGillicuddy telling the fans to write in their questions about relationships or anything else they want or wrestling, I guess, to Beulah's box. I'm Beulah, and my box is always open for you. I feel dirty saying that. Yep. I'm glad you said it, not me. What is Cancel happening? him. Cancel him. How is that the start of the show? And then we go to we go to the opening and it cuts to Joey Styles and he's talking about it again. They they there's a PO box. Like what is happening? Um and then Joey Styles is running down the action and he is running down so many things and I'm like, "Man, this is going to be the most confusing show ever." Yep. And it really is. Yeah. yeah. And then he's talking about a live event upcoming on Saturday uh, where there's going to be a Sandman Mikey Whipwreck World Heavyweight title match and then after the match the public enemy and the gangsters are going to have what he calls an old school throwdown they're going to set up a ring outside the building and fight like what oh it's going to be wild bro speaking of wild six man tag team cage match this is from Gangsta's Paradise a few weeks ago. Yes, it's sir. The public, it's the public enemy and the newest member of the hood, Mikey Whipwreck, against the ECW World Heavyweight Champion, the Sandman, the ECW World Television Champion, Tuco Scorpio, who's replacing Mustafa, who's arrested. Yes, sir. And freaking New Jack. Freaking uh, New Jack. Be- That's his name. Bef- before the match even starts, Mikey Whipwreck steals the ring announcer's wallet and keys. Bro, Wait. I love this so much, bro. I love that. He's got he the He goes up to give in. him a hug and he go and he and he turns back around and talks to the other two guys and he's like, Look, I got his wallet and his watch. So funny, dude. I love that. And then we get a recap of Steve Austin's debut last week. Then we cut to the Sandman just casually drinking a beer on top of the cage. I know. He was chugging it, bro. He was up there like freaking I'm like, bro, he's getting drunk before this match has started. And then New Jack steals the mic and yells a whole lot of words. And Peacock, you can't hear half of them. Nope. F, they're all F-bomb they're all naughty words. Flying, bro. They're all naughty words. Oh and my And then Flyboy Rocco Rock takes the mic and yep. he tells the referee to get woman off the cage. There's a lot. There's, again, there's potty language. And then he says, "If you don't, I'll bite her on the butt." Like yep. what? This pre-match stuff. Took forever. There is not yeah. physical contact for 13 minutes into the show. 13 minutes. Oh, man. And then it's a, this is highlights of a steel cage match. You, yeah. you see 1451 of it. And, like, the first thing they show is Flyboy Rocco Rock does a springboard moonsault over the Sandman into a Russian laser. I'm just like, what the heck? That was dope. And at the beginning of the match, you, what you didn't mention is Sandman's wrestling with a freaking cigarette in his mouth. This is What's the going most on cha- here? He's this is drunk, the most chaotic- got a cigarette in his mouth. What's going on? This is the most chaotic thing I've ever seen because then it cuts to Johnny Grunge and New Jack who have somehow broken out of the cage and New Jack is jumping out of the eagle's nest on Johnny Grunge through a table. Yep. The Sandman suplexes a table on Mikey. And then he, he super a lot in this he superplexes a table onto Mikey and Flyboy. He suplexes like three or four tables. I know. This is ECW. That doesn't look painful at all. He breaks up a pin at one point by suplexing a table on Johnny Grunge. 
Uh, there's the typical frying pan. Flyboy oh, Rock yeah. Rock is hitting people with a table. At one point, they stack not one, not two, but three tables. And yep. then Flyboy Rocco Rock and Two Cold Scorpio go crashing through these tables. Sandman picks up the remains of one of these tables, and then he tries to suplex it on Flyboy, but instead he gets drop kicked through the remains of a table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, eventually, the Sandman is the only one in the cage for his mm-hmm. team. Mikey and the public enemy are triple teaming him. Mikey hits the Franken Mikey from the top of the cage, only I gets a that. two count. Yep. And then the hits Frank a and Mikey. He hits a Jimmy Superfly splash off the top of the cage for the win. Yes, sir. And the chaos is still not done. Oh, not even close. Because after the match, they lock Mikey in the cage with mm-hmm. the Sandman. Woman's trying to climb the cage and give a Singapore cane to Mikey. Rocco yep. Rock is grabbing a handful of butt. Mm-hmm. Like, right in front of the camera. He's yep. trying to have a snack. Uh, with the cage locked, Sandman drops a leg drop off the top of the cage on Mikey. Then the public enemy come back in. And then the Sandman leaves. And oh, yeah. I'm thinking, Let's cool. Let's Sandman lit a cigarette, too, afterwards. He did let another cigarette. <laughs> and I'm like, cool, this segment's over. Mikey and the public enemy start to party. And then yep. here comes freaking Scorpio and New Jack and the Sandman again. And Mikey suplexes Scorpio from the outside of the cage into the ring. And yep. then Mikey leaves the cage, and he's beating the Sandman with a cane on the outside. And they brawl to the back, and this segment's never going to end. Please start oh talking. I'm, I'm at a loss of words. Just please start. Oh, my God. There's not, left, not a lot left more for me to say. But, yeah, I was surprised. Like, you think the match is over? Nope. Here comes everybody back into brawl again. Bro, the match is over. You lost. Okay. Well, that's probably why they came back. Okay. I, I do like this, the idea of the match with the cage. Because, well, it's ECW. Maybe you should expect it. But the door is open, man. Like, you can leave the cage. You can do what all kinds of things. What was the point of the cage, then? And then go back inside. I don't know. It's fun. It's it's the <laughs> Gangsta's Paradise match. I don't know, man. It's ECFNW. Who cares? It's fun. Can you, can you imagine if you're in the crowd? Like, match end. You're packing up your stuff. You're getting ready to leave. Oh, nope. They're still fighting. All right, cool. I'm ready yeah. to leave. Nope, they're coming back. When do I get to leave? And another thing about that big three-table spot is you got two cold Scorpio, and I think he's with Mikey at the top. And no, there's fly, no... It's, uh, it's fly by rock or rock. Well, either way. They're at the top of this cage. There's no support. Like, these days you see a cage, and there's, like, this cable that you can hold on to. There's a nothing. It's just a chain-link fence, and they're standing on top of it. I'm like, bro, this is not safe. Like, I understand this is ECW, but even as a spot, like an extreme spot, bro, these guys could fall off and die at any second. And it's not we, the thick steel cage like you see these days. It's just a chain link fence cage. Yeah, and and the cage there was like big gaps in the cage at one oh, point. Oh yeah, so like it, yeah. it was a very dangerous looking cage. So we go to commercial. We come back. Joey Styles hyping up the live event on Saturday night again. We go to a promo highlighting the feud between the Public Enemy and the Gangsters. And this is a long promo. Yeah, it is. And I I think I counted approximately one million four hundred thirty two thousand four hundred ninety three tables broken. I think that sounds accurate. My, my favorite part of the entire thing is Johnny Grunge is hitting New Jack with an open umbrella. <laughs> like, what? It makes no sense. I don't know, man. Uh, and then we go to another commercial break. There's two promos. I want you to take the second one. Okay. I want to talk about the first one. Because it gets really somber. And we start hearing from the sexiest man alive, Jason. And the Eliminators are like, yeah, you're sexy. I'm like, wait, what? And Jason talks about how he pinned Taz again in the six-man tag. And then he asks Taz one question. How do you like my suit? What? What does that even mean? And then it just goes away. Yep, I don't know, man. And then we cut to, to, to Lance Wright interviewing Tommy Dreamer. Please take over. I'm, I'm still flabbergasted. Honestly, there's not much to say in this match, really. He's just talking about, you know, honestly, I don't even remember much of it because there's not much to say. I so like you take fa- this one. Well, I like the fact that he was talking about how Raven and Cactus Jack have taken everything from him. Yeah. And he tells Raven to call his dog off. That doesn't want to hurt him. Um, and then he says, 
Raven wants his soul. Well, Tommy wants to end his life and then does the finger gun and goes bang, bang in Lance yeah. Wright's mouth. And I'm like, yeah, he puts uh, his finger in the freaking dude's mouth. What's like, going on here, Tommy? Attempted murder again? Yep. So much murder in 95. Just just give me the soapy wet cowboys at this point. Yeah. Uh, we go to a commercial and we come back. We are in a different building. We're in Middletown, New York. Uh, ECW is running a house show. And the main event for that house show is Sandman Mikey Whipwreck for the World Heavyweight title. But here comes stunning Steve Austin. Yeah, boy. He starts running down ECW. He said he's horrified to be here. He looks at the building and says, WCW wouldn't take a dump here, let alone book a wrestling match. Yep. Tell me how you really feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he appreciates the fact that Sandman had to whip somebody's ass to win the title, not yep. to have it handed to him. But your name's not Hogan, so I can whip your f- ass. Mm-hmm. Sandman says, anytime, any place. And then he says, I'll tell you right now, I think you're a hell of a kid. But I ain't going to shake your damn hand because you don't deserve to be in the same ring or building with Steve Austin. Yeah, you know, this this uh, promo is great because you you absolutely see hints of Stone Cold in this promo, man. Oh, yeah. You that's absolutely 100%. see it. That's yep. 100% Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yep. Just with just Even though he's got hair. the long blonde hair. But yeah. Yes, I, I, absolutely. Uh, we go to the ECW World Title match. Again, it's highlights. Uh, we get to see 1051 of it. Uh, at least this time, the Sandman has changed his weapon of suplexing, and he's suplexing a ladder now. Yeah. And see, like, that Mikey I like is, more. That I like. But, like, Mikey's draped over a guardrail, and he's suplexing a ladder on him. Uh, yep. Mikey hits the Franken-Mikey off of the ladder. Uh, Sandman is, like, flying off the top and driving the ladder into Mikey. My favorite part is the Sandman is hanging from the beams of the building. Oh, yeah. And, and Joey Styles is on commentary going, what is this drunk doing? And then he leg drops Mikey from the ceiling. That was a great move. Uh, Mikey hits another Franken-Mikey, does not go for the pin. Woman hits him with the cane. Mikey falls off the ladder, off the top onto the ladder. And then Sandman gets the win, and Mikey attacks the Sandman after. So much chaos. Oh, yeah. I, I I don't even know. Like <laughs> the Sandman gets the win, but Mikey just beats the tar out of him again. Oh yeah. Uh, and then we go to the best part of this entire episode. Oh, for sure. Cactus Jack cuts a promo. I'm gonna let you talk first. I've got some stuff picked out, but I want to know what you thought of Cactus Jack, bro. What I think is he's amazing. That's a given. Uh. You know, this, he's, oh my god, I don't even know where to start. He, he's, the passion that you see from him is, is unparalleled. Uh, and anybody from WCW, WWF, or ECW, okay, nobody's as passionate as Hatches Jack is. Because as we talked about before, you don't really see these kind of passionate promos very often at this stage in wrestling. Uh, he starts talking about stuff like how much he loves pro wrestling, how he's loved it since he was a kid and whatever, how it's been his livelihood for the last 10 years and stuff. And he, he says that he saw a TV show, the, the old 2020 show. I don't know if that's still airing, but whatever, like a news you know, program, whatever. And they said they did a story on pro wrestling and you know, saying it was dangerous and these kinds of things. And Cactus Jack says, I want to be a professional wrestler. I'm going to have the world respect professional wrestling and that was what stood out to me is that he loves pro wrestling so much and he's going to have the world respect pro wrestling and that's what he's doing when he also talks about how pro wrestling doesn't respect him he sacrificed 10 years and professional wrestling will never be respected no matter how many teeth i lose no matter how many ears i lose no matter how many brain cells have to die he, he looks down the camera and says tommy it's not worth it he's telling tommy dreamer this hardcore wrestling's not worth it look at pro wrestling as a way to make a living it's just a business and then here's what I thought was really interesting. Well, you may as well be cuddled in the welcoming arms of World Championship Wrestling because ECW fans will be the best of you. You see, they realized, and they were smarter than any of us, that they rule ECW Wrestling, not us. 
But never in my sickest dreams did I imagine that there would be other people taking dives onto concrete floors, committing human suicide on my behalf. Like I'm the patron saint of the sick sons of bitches. Who the hell do you think you are? We're not a wrestling organization anymore. We're the world's damn biggest puppet show. And I'll be damned if I'm going to stand in that arena and let you call my match. And, and then at the, end of, at the end of the promo, he's trying to give it to Tommy Dreamer to go to a better organization. Go yeah. somewhere that's going to respect you. Go see Uncle Eric. Mm-hmm. Go somewhere you're going to be appreciated in the Turner family. Yep. And then maybe, just maybe, there'll be a chance for Cactus Jack too. Because Cactus Jack is now saying, maybe I can come back home to WCW with Uncle Eric. And he says, Tommy, just just say yes. And a no, well, I'd have to take that as you're putting a big okay stamp of approval on my eternal damnation. I'm counting on you, you little selfish don't make me hurt you because I can because not only would you be doing yourself a big favor not only would you be helping your life you'd be saving mine you'd be saving mine you'd be saving mine like what a freaking promo oh he is the greatest man let me tell you wow 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 I, I love how his gimmick, after being fired by WCW, is how much he loves WCW <laughs> and how much he loves Uncle Eric. Yeah. Um, and it's really like he is the counterculture to ECW, which is really, really good. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, um, me too. Thankfully, that's how that show ended because – Holy crap, the rest of that episode was a mess. Yeah, and that was a long promo, too. Yeah, and I needed that because my brain wanted to explode after yeah. the cage match and all the other crap and freaking Beulah's box and, oh my, stop it. You stop that. No, I'm saying, like, wow, this is <laughs> wild with the show we just watched. Uh, all right, let's try to shift gears back. This is the Monday Night Warfare podcast. Raw versus Nitro. Who wins the war in week four, Wade? A uh, nice little rhyme there, my friend. Um, I didn't even know I did it. <laughs> uh, ratings notwithstanding, tough. I don't care about ratings, as we've said before. Th- you're right. This was absolutely really tough because, you know, I watched these and in, in, uh, the thinking of what would I have liked more uh, if I were watching this live and stuff. And this week, I say the winner of the Monday Night War is WCW Monday Nitro, brother. So I am going to, again, disagree with you. I'm going to go raw, and here's why I went raw. Um, Yes, the OJ stuff was stupid and ridiculous. So ridiculous. I think, so both shows had two hyped up, big time main events. Mm -hmm. I think the Razor and Kid match and the Brett Jean-Pierre Lafitte match were better than Luger Savage and Flair Arn as a package deal. Mostly because Savage and Luger was not very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, the Hogan promo was good. I liked the moment. Uh, Eddie and Dean was good. Like the middle, the middle of that show, WCW won. One hundred percent, they won the middle of the show. But, like, Triple H and Barry Horowitz was not a bad match. PG-13's no, tag match was not a bad match. Yeah. I can, I, can, I can let those slide because I had more enjoyment in the main event on Raw mm-hmm. because there was an actual finish and it wasn't a weird DQ. Yeah. And, like, Kid and Razor was clunky, but it was less clunky than Savage and Luger. It was still weird, though. <laughs> it was still weird, but at least it wasn't but as yeah, clunky in right. my mind. So I, uh, I, I feel you, man. I, I can't completely disagree. As I said, this is a very tough decision. So we go to the scoreboard. On Wade's side it is four nothing Nitro, and mine it is two to two. So yeah, a little bit of a difference here. Uh, we'll find out who takes the lead on my side, and if Raw can get on the board on your side next week on the Monday Night Warfare podcast. It's October the ninth, nineteen ninety five. We are just doing Nitro and Raw this week. 
Um, I need a break from ECW after that. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just same. need a break. I need a break. Uh, so next week on the Monday Night Warfare podcast, on Nitro, WCW United States Heavyweight title, Sting defends against Shark, Sabu against Mr. JL, Big Bubba Rogers against Road Warrior Hawk, and a steel cage match, the Enforcer Arn Anderson against the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Announced for Raw next week is just the six-man tag, but what a six-man tag it is. Oh, the yeah. Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, and Diesel against Owen Hart, Yoko Zuna, and the British Bulldog. On paper, what are you looking forward to more? Bro, honestly, man, I'm looking forward to that six-man tag. Like, what a huge match on Raw. I'm, I'm psyched, man. I'm looking forward to not having to hear about O.J. Simpson anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, let us know what you want to listen to next week, Raw or Nitro. Which one you're looking forward to more. Let us know in the comments, whether on YouTube, on Spotify. There will be a Spotify question again. Let us know on Instagram, Facebook, all the other stuff. Like, comment, subscribe, share, and join along as we move forward in 1995. We're headed to Halloween Havoc. We thank you for joining us on the Monday Night Warfare Podcast, and we'll see you next week.